0: A priest, a minister, and a rabbi want to see who's best at his job. You should already just be groaning preemptively, by the way. Like, that's such a cliche. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi want to see who's best at his job, so each one goes into the woods, finds a bear, and attempts to convert it. Later, they all get together, and the priest begins, When I found the bear... I read to him from the catechism, and I sprinkled him with holy water. Next week is his first communion. I found a bear by the stream, says the minister, and I preached God's holy word. The bear was so mesmerized, he let me baptize him. And they both looked down at the rabbi lying on a gurney in a full-body cast. <laughs> Looking back, he says, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. that over the line? Did that just cross a line? I told Carrie I was going to push the line just slightly today on that one. Let's pray. This is the prayer I crafted to pray daily uh, all year. Abba, I belong to you. Teach me. Root me deeper in your love. I want you more than anything else. Don't let me waste my life on lesser things. Rather, let me burn with the greater glory. The fire on the altar must be kept burning day and night. It's not enough, there must be more. Let me redig the ancient wells. I hunger and thirst for you like the deer pant for the streams. Don't let me stray. Pull me closer. Ravish my heart. Send me, 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 send me. Send me. No comparisons to others, just you and me as it was in the beginning. Let my faith arise. Let my shield be strong. Let my mind be sound. Let my peace-shod feet be firm and unmoved. I am not afraid. Let me be strong and courageous, for the Lord my God is with me. Amen. Amen. I keep feeling like the Christian life is really simple, and we make it complicated. What did Abraham know? Things were so simple for Abraham. He didn't have religious doctrines or regiments or rituals. What he had was he was living his life, and God bumped in and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you and make your name great, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And look at the stars of the sky and the sand and the seashore. That's how many children you're going to have, you believe me? and he said yeah and the evidence that he believed was that he left everything left his, his homeland his father and his mother he left his culture he left everything he had known to follow this God who he didn't know, you know I like to say the invisible God of the impossible promise so the Christian life is real simple we, that was cute those were intense sneezes we pray we listen we obey what else is there we pray, we listen, we obey. Isaac redug Genesis 26. Isaac redug the wells of his father Abraham, and I'm convinced that there are there are ancient wells, ancient spiritual pathways that we're meant to unlock. And surely some of the wells of Abraham is the simplicity, the simplicity of experiencing God and surrendering yourself to the God you encounter. It's so possible to have a doctrine that's passed down by forefathers that does not bring you to an encounter with the God that you have to do with. It's also possible that the faith of your forefathers spur you on to a deeper walk. And that's the meaning of redigging ancient wells. Like my dad always says, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Are you with me? That every single generation has to encounter the God of Abraham just like Abraham did, has to respond to the God of Abraham in the secret place of the heart with no one watching in an authentic way. And the extent to which we genuinely encounter and yield to that God is the extent to which the power of God that was at work in his life so that he could be called the friend of God and a prophet of God and the father of faith, the same power that he got transferred into his heart through those encounters is available for us. I keep thinking, you know, the Christian life is so simple. We pray, we listen, we obey. And somehow, like last Sunday, we were singing about the blood. And we were singing, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Your blood was shed for me. And something rose up in my heart. It's probably because I had just been praying with Carl Chup. But something rose up in my heart that I was like, oh, we sound so self-centered. Me, me, I, we. And I know that nobody's singing. I don't think anyone singing here was trying to be self-centered, or even was necessarily. I'm not saying that, but something broke in my heart. I was like, "We won't forget the world, God. We won't forget the world, God." I just think when you know, especially for those of us who are, are like, okay, just me. Especially for me, like I'm I'm in the center of churchianity. Do you know what I mean? The simplicity of seeking Jesus, finding Jesus, walking with Jesus, waking up in the morning and saying, today's the day I walk with you, God. Today's the adventure of, I don't know what's going to happen when I say yes to your spirit. That can get so lost in the schedule of just doing churchy things for me. And I I think it's what a tragedy if while, while the church was fixated, including me, fixated on how did Sunday go? Meanwhile, a great spiritual battle all over the world every day for the eternal destiny of everyone. And the great heart of the Father is still burning for the lost. And the great heart of the Father revealed in Jesus is still more concerned about the one lost sheep than the 99 found. But the 99 found are in the house singing. Singing, I'm so glad you love me. One of the great passions of my heart is to see the church baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. And, and, I, and I know that some people are like, can, can, we, can, we, can we move on from that topic? And I'm like, no, we can't move on from that topic. Because the only time that I find my heart on mission is when I'm so filled with God that my eyes can go ahead and rise beyond my needs. Most of the time, I'm just just... Just hanging on trying not to sin. You know what I mean? Hanging on trying to be faithful. Hanging on trying to fulfill my assignment. And the fight is so hard. But then I'll break through the clouds. So certain times when I'll break through the clouds. And I find myself in an encounter with God. Usually it's a time I've set apart to seek him. Usually it's a time I've set apart to go on, on pilgrimage to seek him. But I find that those times when I'm so filled with the spirit. as power is coursing through my body. And I can barely stand. And I hear his voice with, with ease. Those are the times that I pray for the waitress. And I don't mean on days like that. I mean for months after those encounters. And, I, and I, so, as I've meditated on the sort of the, the design of God and how He arranges His worship in the Old Testament, have, has it ever occurred to you that there's a rigorous religious worship schedule in the Old Testament? It seems like they're constantly having to do these extremely hard work, costly, inconvenient things to stand in the sun and have someone read you Bible verses. Anyone notice that? And then you got to take the best of your flock and herd, and like, you know, either convert it into cash, and and buy another one there, or take that animal all the way to Jerusalem. Why? Why would God create this extremely costly, inconvenient, interrupting of your schedule to do all this church stuff? It's because he knows we have to be shaped, we have to be formed, that our hearts are inherently drifty and our minds are forgetful. And we're just, we need fresh encounters with God. There's something so powerful about seeking him with all your heart. If you don't seek him with all your heart, you don't find him. Then you end up with a form of godliness, showing up at church every day, staying out of basic sin, thinking of yourself as a basically decent person, but there's not fire on the altar, this altar. There's something so powerful about recognizing. See, this is interesting. I heard Roland Baker say, how does revival happen? Fasting, prayer, pressing in. And he said, you know, it's interesting usually revival is something God initiates so you say oh here's a couple who said the Lord told us we're supposed to take an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening and pray for God to pour out his spirit on his church and catapult his church into a love relationship with God and a mission and they did that for 20 years and then revival fell and you go oh okay then that's the key we just got to do that no God told them to do that that's how it happened in that place I don't know about when you met Jesus, but when I met Jesus, the first thing that happened to me before I even met him, profound conviction of sin. Like that was the first step for me. I'm not saying it has to be the first step for you. I'm just letting you know that was my first step. I didn't do that to me. I remember standing there and my mom said, we're going to be gone for the weekend. We're going to throw a party. Don't throw any parties while we're gone. And I said, I won't. Fast forward to me in the middle of the party, totally high out of my mind, and all of a sudden that memory comes back to me. I won't, I won't, I won't. And I'm like, I'm a liar. And you don't understand conviction of sin if you think, oh, he felt a little bad. No, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, shame, self loathing. Like, what, who, 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 I hate me. That was way before I met Jesus, but that was really a helpful setup. Because distrusting me was like what I, what I needed to get to this place where he came as an answer to a problem. And I'm all... F- That's not how I preach, by the way. You don't hear me stand up here and like preach the commandments and try to get you to feel bad so that then I can give you the answer. You don't hear me do that, do you? I never do that. But Holy Spirit did that to me. And I feel like, I feel like there's, it's so easy for us to lose the, the, like, the deep need for Jesus... We, a few weeks back, we saw in the this, in this story where Mary anoints Jesus' feet, we saw Jesus say to Simon, you love little because you think you've been forgiven little. You've been forgiven little, but she loves much because she's been forgiven much. How does revival happen? I don't know. I don't think there's a formula But I can tell you that there are times when the Spirit of God comes on people and a fear of the Lord takes root in a place. And when the fear of the Lord takes root in a place, what you find is suddenly the answer is precious. There's this passage in in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, where John's in heaven and there's this scroll and it says, no one can open the scroll. And John says that he just wept and wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. And I was sharing that with Austin while we were standing up here, and he said, oh, like Thor's hammer. No one... (laughs) What's the name of his his hammer? My my little kids were in here. Yeah, Mjolnir. And Agent Coulson tries to lift it, and nobody can move it. No one can open this scroll. And I, I sometimes wonder if we forget... I sometimes wonder if we forget there's not a person on the planet that can deliver from sin and death. There's not a person on the planet that can save my heart. There's not a person on the planet that can break this deadness inside me. There's not a soul or an angel in eternity that can save me. And then comes Jesus, looking like a lamb who's been slain, and he unlocks the scroll. And suddenly it says, a new song breaks out in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and glory and wisdom. And, and even says riches, interestingly enough. And he says, you've redeemed. This, they sing, you've redeemed people from every tongue, tribe, nation. There's this song that breaks out in heaven that we will sing forever. How does revival break out? I think, I think it's, it's a total work of the Holy Spirit. And it often, I'm not saying always, but it often starts with this profound sense of dissatisfaction and brokenness and an awareness that none can save me. No professional counselor, no church, no song service, no home, no, no vacation, no perfect spouse, no amount of money, no sports accomplishments. Everything is meaningless and empty nothing tastes, nothing satisfies. It's only when people have given up on all these other things that the answer comes as this sweet fragrance of life. And you want to know what's wrong with people who are obsessed with Jesus and they keep going after more and they seek him day and night and they leverage this life against eternity and they make terrible decisions that their pastors don't think are wise and their parents don't think are wise and their peers don't think are wise... And they ignore missions boards when the missions board says, you need to learn the language, you're not prepped to go. And they buy a plane ticket and they go, not knowing anything other than Jesus said go. What's wrong with these people? They found their answer. They found their answer. It, it's my heart for us to not have one ounce of religion. Religion. And yet I find that the evil spirits that attack Gateway Fellowship, they have names. Love you, Steve. The Lord bless you, buddy. With grace and strength. Seriously, Steve's like a hero, isn't he? You want to quote silly things like, The Lord gives his hardest battles to his best soldiers. The demons assigned to attack Gateway are things like, they have names like business as usual. They have names like pay the God tax and get on with real life. They have names like, it don't take all that, an emotional display is not necessary. They have names like, hey, it's all about respectability at the end, isn't it? And they blind us, they blind us from the love relationship. The passionate simplicity of the encounter with the real, the encounter with what Abraham encountered, who Abraham encountered. That caused him not to fit into some sort of religious system. God deliver us from religion. But this, this insatiable desire that becomes deepened as it's satisfied I have to have more of you, God. Day and night, it's not enough. The person who prays when no prayer meeting's been called. The person who worships with, with or without music, it's irrelevant. The person who can, the person who, if the sound system breaks in the middle of the set, they don't break. They, they press in. The people who are asking Tim, who can I pray for today? And I go, what is going on? You know? There's something, there's just something, there's something about people who have found Jesus have found Jesus to be satisfying, have found the presence of God to be all they're living for and are done with every lesser thing, even every lesser religious thing. There's, just so, there's something about them. They aren't complaining. No one else around them, they don't believe any of the strategies of the devil to make them think that I'm unhappy because of the people around me. Because they're done with excuses. They know, they know that they are the steward of their heart and no one can control their will except them. They know that if Jesus says, be thankful, it's possible. They know if he says, heal the sick, it's possible. Raise the dead, it's possible. Lay your life down, it's possible. Love me. Jesus is hilarious. Unless a man hates his father and mother. What is that? Unless a man hates his father and mother, his sister and brother, his kids, his job, his community, he can't be my disciple. What does that mean? surely he doesn't mean for us to hate. Well, you're right, he doesn't. That's an interesting little phrase that means prefer Jesus so intensely that by comparison, if you happen to be on the receiving end of someone who obeys Jesus no matter what, like I've said in the past, in terms of this Holy Spirit stuff, if my own mother said to me, if you don't back off of this stuff, our relationship is over. With a totally straight face and an honest heart before God, I can tell you that I would weep and I would say, Mom, I love you. Please don't do this. And then I would continue to seek Jesus and continue to seek Holy Spirit. Duh. And that's not like a high level of discipleship. That's not like, ooh, that's deep commitment. Wow, I'm so glad we have a pastor like that. Nonsense. That is kindergarten. That is like, you can't even make three steps of progress Like, if you can't raise your hands in church because of what people are thinking, there's no way you're going to make it in real life. In a meeting when people have contracted to be about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Duh. What is revival? Revival is getting back to the core simplicity of he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And then your eyes come open and you go, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. you." where every believer is a missionary, every believer is a friend of God, every believer is endowed with... How do you know if someone's full with the Spirit, Tim? They speak in tongues, say my Pentecostal friends, and then they get mad at me because I don't teach that. No. You'll be... You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses you'll be the evidence I'm alive when you receive power. They already had authority. They were already commissioned. They had authority. But they were told to wait for power. Why? Because authority comes from the king saying, go, I've commissioned you, go. But power comes in the encounter. Church, you need encounters with Holy Spirit. You need encounters with the love of God. You need to hear Jesus. You need to seek Him till you find Him. And when you find Him, you will know you have Him. The evidence is power not tongues, not any prophecy, not gifts, not shaking or falling. It's power. It's no longer being ruled by fear, it's no longer being, being controlled by the opinions of the people around you, it's finding freedom over sin. It's you're no longer a slave to pornography. You're no longer addicted because now your heart has found its true source of satisfaction and you're walking in that. Don't believe the lie that says you are an addict and you will always stay stuck. That is not from the scripture. That is not the gospel. He never told you that. What he told you is who said you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not? Well, then get out of that tree and get back into the tree of life. You're holy, you're dearly loved, you're spotless. And if you'll root in this, you will bear this fruit. And if you root in this, I'm a disgusting sinner and all I can do is sin, you will bear this fruit. And if you strain and strive to earn his approval or the approval of the people around you, oh my goodness, you'll bear a certain kind of fruit there that will look sort of godly. But it won't be. You always want to go after the idols that are local, right? So in India, you go after different idols. In liberal cities, I would preach differently. I might go after, like, workaholism. I might go after, like, prestige and reputation and, and trusting your degree on the wall if you're in Boston or who you know. or. But what idols do you go after in a churchy culture? You go after the idol of family. You do. You go after the idol of family. The idol of the little happy family and the happy family vacations. You always go after the local idols. It's really easy for us to feel self-righteous condemning the people who aren't local to us who we don't share their sins. Because when I don't share your sin, it's usually more obvious to me, right? Then I can feel very self-righteous. And Jesus is not impressed, right? He's going after my idols. And mine is ministry. Pastors burn out because we seek ministry more than we seek Jesus. We're so riddled with... Is it okay if I get autobiographical? Maybe I shouldn't. We're so riddled with the weight of expectations from the people and we think, we think that's our job. I was praying about this and I saw this huge backpack filled with sand and rocks and I asked the Lord, what is the sand and the rocks? And he said, it's the judgments and expectations of your flock. Expectations and judgments, expectations which are unmet, then they become judgments then they speak about you and they mutter and it releases something into the atmosphere. It's a dishonor. It's in his hometown of prophets without honor. This is the hardest place to be faithful for you and me. This is the hardest place to be faithful for all of us, but it's the testing and proving ground of our gospel. The gratitude, the joy, and the love we have for each other is the proof. And it's hardest at home. It's always hardest at home. And that's okay. Because we can rise above this and have an authentic gospel with power. So I saw the backpack. The backpack was like one of those camping ones that you take if you're going to go on the Alleghenies and take your, you know, your, everything with you. Big, huge backpack. Is it hot in here? A little bit. Some of you are like nodding off. I'd prefer you to be too cold. Can someone ch- crank up the AC? I'd rather, you have, I'd rather you be uncomfortably cold but awake than sleeping through the Word. No, the fans don't do that, but just blow it around. Does anyone own the key? Who has the key? Okay. Thank you, Keith. So, what are the judgments and, expe- what judgments and expectations of the people? A huge backpack, like I'm going to go camping in the Alleghenies. It's full of sand and rocks. And, and, I, and, you know, the person who was praying with me says... Actually, it was Tammy. Let's be honest. It was a sozo. It was an accidental sozo. She asked how I was doing on Facebook at, like, 11. You know what I mean? That's a mistake. I didn't want a sozo. She started jumping into it. Asked Jesus to... Can you picture the burden? I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought everything was fine. I was just going to have it Anyway... She'll get you. Sneaky. The backpack had a name tag on it. Pastor Tim. Big broad straps. I didn't want to take it off. I thought, if I take off this backpack, am I even a pastor anymore? Am I even a pastor if I take off this backpack? I look around and I see most pastors, this is how they know they're a pastor. That they're beat down and apologetic and Running after... I, I, I talk to pastors. They're exhausted. They're about ready to quit. All of them. Yeah, it's not true. Not all of them. Most of them. I don't want to do that, man. I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be joyful. Anyway. So can you take it off? No, I couldn't take it off. I asked Jesus to cut it off me and he wouldn't cut it off me. So finally I had to physically move my body. That's powerful, by the way, guys. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father in heaven from whom every family gets its name. There's something really powerful about your body being involved in your prayers. And if you think it's not, you don't need to say it out loud. Okay, When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, something happens. Anyway, so I physically took the backpack off and set it at Jesus' feet. Then Tammy says, well, ask him what he has for you in exchange. And that was a weird feeling, by the way. I was like, am I still going to be a pastor? Is this my resignation? What's going on here? You know what I mean? That's a little scary. Take it off, put it down. Weird feeling. What do you have for me in exchange? He hands me another backpack. What are we doing here? I thought I was done with backpacks. So I put it on. And it feels empty. It's like there's nothing in it. Like that little Super Mario backpack that I wear sometimes around here. It feels like there's nothing in it. Tammy says, what is it? Ask the Lord what he gave you in exchange. I said, what is it, Lord? And he said, lunch. All it had in it was lunch. That was why I was so light. So here I am thinking, I'm going to do the right thing by y'all by laboring under the burden of your expectations and judgments. And that if I don't, I don't love you. That it's my job to love you by burdening myself down with your judgments and expectations. And the Lord says, false. That's not how this works. I I give you lunch. It doesn't weigh you down at all. And then you just share with them what you ate and it's the loaves and fishes of the little boy. And I was like, I don't even know how you're so smart, God. <laughs> I don't. How can he, with one word, lunch, completely change my paradigm for what it means to be a pastor? That I don't, I don't have to... All right, that's enough of that. Guys, that, I shared that. I could share one of those just about every day with you, of a fresh new one. you could share about one of those every day with me. Things Jesus said to you today. And if if you can't, it's not because he's not speaking or your spirit isn't listening. It's that there's not time set aside. I keep thinking that that there's this great battle going on and we're worried about how service went. You notice that I'm not concerned about whether this is a good sermon? (laughs) I'm not. Because sermons don't help you. You know what helps you? Power. Power. The encounter with Jesus helps you. I don't believe that me preaching really good sermons for 30 years in a row to the same people, some of whom never change, is going to bring revival to the earth. But you know what will? Pray, listen, obey. Pray, listen, obey. And you don't have to talk about it in church either. I mean, you don't have to. It'll still work. In other words, if, you, if someone meets Jesus through you you don't, you, you don't have to go, great, finally I got a testimony, and then run up and say, finally got one of them testimonies you've been wanting me to share, Tim, because I know Pete, Pete doesn't even want me to know what God said to him because he's afraid I'm going to put the mic in his face. <laughs> it's a true story. He's like, God is amazing. I, I don't want to tell you about it, though. You have no idea what God said. And I'm like, tell me, I want to know. And he's like, no, you're going to make me share. I'm like, you could just say no. And I know you people. I know you know Jesus. And I just think sometimes we get our focus, corporately, we get our focus on how this is going. It's like, it's like imagine if we're Israelites and we're with the fire and the, and, the, and the cloud. We're with God every day. He's leading us. He's guiding us. We don't necessarily like the scenery, but he's leading us and he's guiding us every day. And what happens when they get their eyes off of satisfaction in the presence? Immediately, they grumble and groan and get attacking and factions, and they make it, it honestly, they make life stink for everybody. You know? It's really interesting. Like, there's something so incredible about if we can cultivate, man, should I share this story? In an environment where we have cultivated our heart's yieldedness to the Lord, our dependence, our yes, soaking in his love till till it it gets big. We're not reading the Bible to, to, to be able to know it so that we have an answer for everyone. We're reading our Bible to have fellowship, to be shaped and to let this thing form us, right? It's a love affair. We're done with legalism. We figured out that doesn't work. We're we're completely viewed as perfect the whole time. Just like Abra- Abraham was kind of a mess, to be honest with me. You know, read the story carefully, and you're like, "Oh, really, Abraham? Uh, she uh, she ain't my wife. <laughs> She's my sister. <laughs> Don't kill me. Like, really, Abraham? <laughs> Man, we need to go ahead and you let you have sex with the servant girl and have this promise fulfilled. Okay, sounds like a plan to me. Oh, guys, you're killing me. And God doesn't say, you know, Abraham and Sarah, I'll give them a D minus, they just barely passed, but good enough. No. He doesn't, he speaks of him like that's the high watermark. Why? Because if you'll have sincerity, if you'll sincerely fall forward in your genuine surrender to Jesus, he will count it as though it's perfect. That's the whole principle of the Reformation. That's like, you remember the Protestant Reformation? That's what Luther discovered again. Oh, we're in oh, that's a load off. Oh, my goodness. Now we can worship. Because without grace going, boom, you're free, you're, you're worshiping because, we, you know, we, maybe if we worship hard enough, we can get the Holy Spirit to come down. Oh, it's exhausting. Instead, it's like, oh, I receive you. You're amazing. It's all finished. It's all done. I'm yours. <sighs> Whoa. Then the Holy Spirit is just flowing because we say yes to his bigger already prior yes in pursuit of us right let me tell you a story There's a young man named it's a weird name kale mumby kale like the vegetable yeah i know he had a dream and in this dream he was an old man i'm gonna just i'm moving towards conclusions for those of you who are like oh my goodness what is going on today I can actually hear the things you guys say out loud, just in case you wondered, so. You know, I want to be careful about that, Joe. Cale <laughs> had this dream, and in this dream, he's an old man, big flowing white beard, and this is his quote, not mine, so don't, don't be offended, old man, paunch. <laughs> and he looks down, and he's like, whose body is this? What in the, what's happening? And he looks around, and he's surrounded by young people. And the young people say, Kale. Their eyes are just like pleading. Kale. You were there. Y- you were there. Tell us the stories. Tell us the stories of the revival. For the world is on fire. And in his dreams, suddenly memories pop into his head of things that haven't happened yet in life. And he says, oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I would travel around, and I would find little groups of burning ones. There'd be five gathered just to worship Jesus. Not, not, Not to get the Spirit to come for evangelism's sake or... Get the spirit to come for healing or get the spirit to come so we'd know we're somebody. Just, just, just seeking Jesus for the goodness of fellowship with Jesus. Five. It was only five. It wasn't much, but it was enough. And then the Lord would direct me and I'd find a group of 15 over here from a completely different denominational culture. And they were gathered just to seek the Lord. Just to enjoy the goodness of God. Just to say, we want you, Father. We want you more than anything. Use us. Send us. Fill us. Let us be your hands and feet. And it wasn't much. And they didn't always get it right. And they made a lot of mistakes. But it was enough. And then over here, there's like a group of a thousand kids. And they came together to set their whole lives apart and be trained in how to worship. Trained in how to hear God. Trained in how to pray in public. But none of that that they were being trained for was really the heartbeat of it. The heartbeat of it was just to know you, just to find you. Can we just find God? Can that actually be what we're about? Can we just find God? And it wasn't much, but it was enough. So if you picture the planet shrouded in darkness or almost like looking at the planet from space, from the space station, and you see at night all the little cities lit up. It looked like that, right? All these little clusters of what he called burning rooms. Burning rooms. These little clusters of of hunger. Of burning coals gathered together in a fire to... Until the blue flame comes over the hole. Little burning rooms. And we all know that the point of Christianity is not to gather in rooms, right? It's to love God with our whole life, right? But there's something about the burning room that that, that catapults us into the life. There's something about the neglect of that where this life starts to get rusty and dull and beat down and weary. I want to give my life to that. I have been giving my life to that. Some of you hearing that are like, I'm yawning, I'm bored, I don't care. But others of you, your hearts are like, you you could weep. I want everybody to go ahead and stand. Stand. Rob, you can put on some sort of ministry music or or, uh, Monique, you can put on some sort of ministry music. I personally like lowercase noises, but whatever. I asked the Lord, Lord, what are we doing here today? And he said, we're commissioning burning ones. We're commissioning burning ones. So I want you to put your hands out like you're ready to receive. And Holy Spirit, I ask that those who have said yes already, and those who are saying yes, I ask that you would come in greater measure. I ask that you would touch them, that you would set them apart. Say, Holy Spirit, set apart burning ones for yourself today. Come. Come. If that's you and you know that's you, go ahead and come up to the front, please. Father, set apart burning ones for yourself, ones that will seek you when no prayer meeting is called, ones that will take their hurt and their pain, and they will cultivate that place of encounter with you, Jesus. Ones that know there's an answer for every problem in your presence. There's a balm in Gilead. Holy Spirit, more. God, we want to burn for you. We just want to know you and we want to partner with you. We want to say our yes. We want our yes to be every day, God. We want our yes to be every day, God. More, Father. There's a river of fire that flows from your throne. Your eyes, Lord Jesus, burn with fire. The flames of love burn so strong that that Song of Solomon says, no no rushing river can quench them. Many waters cannot quench it. (laughs) And the princess bride accurately says, not even death can stop true love. God we invite you to burn in our hearts we say our big yes to you God again and again and again and all the little yeses so when you say pick up the trash we pick up the trash when you say go forgive we go, we go, we go forgive we go apologize when you say call them we, we do it even if we don't like them when you say prophesy over this guy who hurt you We do it, God. We don't put ourselves first. We refuse to love only those who love us. We are kingdom people. We belong to you. Our our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Come fill your temple. We are your temple. And those of you who didn't come forward, I would like you to stretch your hand out and pray for those who are, who are feeling especially called to this. Intercede for them. Ask the Lord to bless this prayer of desire. They're feeling called to a deeper relationship. They're feeling called to more. Partner with them, church. Honor the hunger that's on them. And say, Lord, bless it. Answer their cry. Take them and take all of us deeper together. That all of us can go from strength to strength. There's a definite heavy measure of God's presence. I'm going to put a breath mint in for your own safety. I don't know if that's in the Bible anywhere, I couldn't find it, but uh, seems it like, seems bad to breathe nasty breath on people. Holy Spirit, if you guys want to put on some sort of music, obviously the Lord doesn't need the music, I've noticed that, but I like it, so whatever. Holy Spirit, more in Jesus' name, more. More. You've called her into the spheres of, of the public, but you're, you're calling her even deeper into the private place. More, Father, more. More, Spirit of David, more. More, strength and peace. More, Father, let us burn for you. Let us burn for you, God. Songs, in Jesus' name, secret place songs. More, Father. More, God, more. Holy Spirit, more. We want you, Father, more. More, God, more. The prayers are powerful, Father. The prayers are powerful. More, God. You'll notice I'm not prophesying a lot right now. I don't feel a release to do that. I just feel a release to bless burning ones in Jesus' name. More. Secret place. Secret place, God. Secret place. What you say in no other voice, God. What you say in no other voice. What you say in no other voice. You name them. You name them, God. You name them, God. No other voice, God. No other voice. Holy Spirit. You name them. Burning ones. Hey, you get in on this, little buddy. More. More, God. More. Holy Spirit, more. More. More God I feel like the Lord says ask 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 for what's in your heart we don't ever ask big enough there are no boxes with him there are no limits with him we ask we ask way too small too often the Lord says ask 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 bless Jesus name no limits Father no limits we just want to be your friends we just want to be your good friends you make your covenant known to those who fear you you share the secrets of your heart you unpack mysteries you pour power on us that our hearts can be full enough full enough to pour out hope and love on everyone around us we say more God In Jesus' name, we say more. I'm not going to give a benediction, but if you you feel like it's time to go eat, we bless you to do that. God, thanks for the meal. Bless the conversation. But I feel like I'm going to stay in here for a little while longer and pray. Thank you, Father. God, I feel the yearning in my heart just to know you more. I feel the yearning in my heart to find you more, to make sure I can hear you more clearly. And I ask God that there be an ease in our spirits, that as our hearts begin to sort of almost push and strain for you, that you remind us again that you've got this and that what you're calling us to is a light, a light burden and an easy yoke, that we don't have to push so hard to find you more. We don't have to try so hard to hear you clear because you're capable of speaking in a way we can hear without us straining and pushing. God, I thank you that our sonship is a package that's all pre-made and all we have to do is is just receive it. And I'm asking God that in this time and in this season of our life, this secret place seeking of you that we we would be better at receiving, that we would be better at just receiving your love. Root us and ground us in your love for us, in your choice of us name us God name us Father name us Holy Spirit more more God secret place God secret place I ask for simplicity of heart I ask for simplicity of focus Jesus that when you give us a passage or a word or a truth instead of meditating on it for one day and then moving forward, that we would continue to return to it over and over and over until you say, it's born fruit in your life. It's become a part of you now. It's taken on flesh. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us, not so that we could end up writing a bunch of books, but your word came and took on flesh so that that word could be planted in us and take on flesh in us as we trust and as we eat and as we believe more, Holy Spirit. I just feel led to to begin to do something very simple, and that's just to simply invite God to increase His presence.